Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Fucking Douglas Louise wasn't at the training sessions. The plan there was for John McGee to hit it, and exactly what you said, Douglas Louise decides to run in and hit it anyway and run away going, nah, 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 nah. He's a fucking plonker, and he's shit at taking set pieces, and this has to stop. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Before Euro 2016, Ireland played Belarus in a friendly down in Cork. I don't know if you remember this, Liam, but it was famous because they lost. <laughs> it was a terrible send-off after the major tournament, but also because Roy Keane was let loose in a press conference afterwards. Sometimes I thought during the O'Neill and Keane era that, 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 that O'Neill actually did use him effectively, like he did unleash him when he felt like the players did deserve a good old kick up the arse, but... Whilst he went through everybody, remember, remember, he's talking about Aidan McGeady. Like he didn't hold back. Like this is talking to Sky Sports and every all the international media that had come to see Roy Keane, who was up for interview before a major tournament. He, he he said a lot of very simple things, and it made a lot of sense. And the point of what he was saying was that football is very bloody easy. Like what he exactly said was, take a touch of the ball and pass it to your mate. It's not hard. Like it's it's that easy sometimes. Pass the ball to your mate and go again looking for it. And what he said as well was if you lose it, run back and run back like you care. Now I know that you know management has gotten a bit more sophisticated than maybe Roy Keane would like it to be nowadays, but there is an element of this is all it takes. Like this is the, the first ninety percent that we have to get in order. Touch the ball, pass it to your mate and run back if you lose it. Like, there's still scope for that, especially if you're not going to do any of it. And this Villa performance today was disgusting. Like, it was so hard to watch. Like, made harder because there was so much at a time in both halves as well. It became a two-hour event. And it was so clear that Villa were never going to score. It didn't even put them under any pressure towards the end. And Newcastle were expected to be bombarded. The fans were nervous and Villa didn't offer a single thing and actually it was that bad a performance if you had told me that Villa would put on the worst performance of the Premier League era of any <laughs> team and they would come away with just one goal difference taken away from them I would fucking bite your arm off that's how bad it was I'll take a 1-0 defeat all day Villa when they play like that because <laughs> there's no way of dressing it up it was symbolic yeah, yeah. Ireland released Roy Keane to the press. I would love to see Roy Keane unleashed in our fucking dressing room with a pair of boxing gloves on. I mean, we can <laughs> we can look at the players. We can look at the manager. They were all useless. The players were waiting for an eternity to play a pass that could have been hit first time. 
And then playing it anyway when the angle was cut off. Passes behind runs or behind the end line. First touches that the gable end of a fucking house would be embarrassed about. <laughs> this is two o'clock on a Sunday. We should be sitting down to a Sunday roast. But instead, we're served up that sloppy, low-quality fucking mess. Like a bowl <laughs> of porridge without the substance. I mean, there was nothing about that performance that was good for us. I was watching that first half thinking, I can't believe, I actually can't believe we changed our manager, signed Luca Dina, signed Coutinho. We've played 12 games under this new manager and we've had a mid-season break to work in his ideas, his philosophy. And it turns out, all he was working on was getting the other 10 players to practice rolling the ball to Tyrone Mings so he could float the ball to fucking <laughs> Fabian Schaar. And we couldn't even do that properly because sometimes it went to Dan Byrne. Like, what a waste of fucking time. We upped the tempo a bit in the second half. And that was such a surprise to the players' bodies that they went into shock after about 20 or 25 minutes and just <laughs> shut down. But even before that, it was so hectic anyway. It was like they decided individually they were going to inject a bit more energy. And they all confused each other by doing that. They, every time someone played a decent pass, it was met with such surprise that the recipient either spun around in circles with his head going in the opposite direction, trying to find the fucking ball, or just ran on top of it like a hamster, or just booted it back to Ming so he could get a breather. Like, we didn't score against Newcastle United. Yeah. Newcastle United, whose defence is so bad, they took Matt Target on loan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sums it up absolutely perfectly. Like, we, not only did we not score against Newcastle United, we once again made some of their individuals out to be absolute heroes. Like, you know, Burn, Jolington, look like it looked like we were in awe of some of these players and and the physical prowess that we have. Like, it's it, this is a game of football. Being able to control the ball of your feet and move players around is the most important thing in this game still at this level. But Villa seemingly when they come up against teams who have big, stocky players, freak out. And uh, like it's it's depressing to see how they'll just back down physically and mentally from that challenge that's put in front of them. Like it's it's good that you talked about letting Roy Keane into the changing rooms because I couldn't believe at halftime like this, like the first half was slightly worse than the second half. It was all a fucking mess. But I could not believe that this is the the end of the broadcast then. Like, you know, this is all you get to see what happens out in the pit. Sky and BT are paying £5.1 billion to get the Premier League rights, and they can't even convince the Premier League to let them in to the team. (laughs) Honestly, anybody that's made to watch that shit for 45, what became 50 minutes, should be allowed to see what then unfolds in the change room afterwards because, like, that that would have been worth it. It would have, like, it would make this way more exciting. Like, when you have to put up with that, then at least you get to see what the hell is being talked about in the changing rooms at halftime because we deserve that. Like, we, like it's too often now Villa have come out flat to start off games and we have relied on, a, I don't know if it's Steven Gerrard or just a management structure, maybe the players, but they have come out with a better response in the second half and I wanted to see what the hell would be talked about in there but we didn't get to see any of that and this this performance honestly was uh, I've never seen a clear example of what seemed like players being out on the piss a couple of days ago or like every single one of them looked like they weren't up for it or they were just not expecting this from Newcastle or they were absolutely steaming a couple of days ago (laughs) Well, this is the thing, and this happens a lot as well. People seem to be surprised that a team who have been rejuvenated and are in a relegation battle come out playing good football, come out playing with a bit of fucking... Newcastle are trying to stay in the Premier League. Of course they're going to be fucking running. No, you need to run as well. And you're saying you wanted to go in and see... You want to see the cameras in the changing room at halftime. What do you think would have been worth watching there? Fucking Steven Gerrard saying, go out and run slightly harder for a small period of time at the start of the second half. Like, that must have been his team talk. Because if, if Steven Gerrard, if that's all he could get, if that second half performance was all he could get, after how fucking dire they were in the first half, and that's the improvement. Christ almighty. Yeah, it, it's it's not good enough that there's seven minutes of added time added on and you don't expect anything. Like, you, you just know that's another seven minutes wasted of your life. Like, you're not going to use those seven minutes. That, that's how best to sum up Aston Villa's performance today. Like, you could have given them as much time as they want and they still would have lost the ball in midfield. Um, 
the Newcastle goal, the only the only goal of the game, the winning of the game, it starts with yet another pointless nothing ball up to Ollie Watkins. Who like was this the tactic today? Like just hope Watkins could bring it. Like he wasn't going to bring anything down today, by the way. But he still had a tough he still had a tough job. Like I think we've mentioned this before when it, when things are bad with Villa. Watkins looks like he's playing for Ireland. He's completely cut adrift from everybody else. And it seemed like our tactic was they hope Watkins could bring it down with three players around him, take on six players and score a goal, whilst everybody else just watched them from our own box. And yet again, this ball was kicked up over the top. Watkins doesn't control it. Joe Willock, who had just bombed past Douglas Louise and made him look like a child minutes earlier, now just bombs past Callum Chambers, who has decided to plant his left leg and then take a big fucking Zumo step into Willick, who's already, he's already knocked the ball past him seconds earlier. And um, it's not a penalty, it's a free kick. Everyone cheered that it was a free kick. And then uh, Trippier gets lucky, you know, but obviously the, the new signing, the the Englishman, Sky, you're going to milk that. Like, you know, like, Trippier's a great signer for Newcastle. I was watching the highlights of their last game against Everton and thought, Jesus, like, yeah. He's he's dominating for them, but uh, but you know let's let's call a spade a spade here. He hit a free kick into a player who was ten meters away from him. <laughs> yeah, like in the build up, it's definitely outside the box, and it's definitely fucking pathetic from Callum Chambers. Woolock is looking for it, and he's kind of on his way down before Chambers has clattered into him. But how late is Chambers to that party? Crazy. He's fucking. He's drunk a bottle of vodka before he's arrived as well, and then just comes smashing through the front door. <laughs> hey, I'm here, everybody! <laughs> fucking waste of time. But I can't believe it's gone in. I mean, it's a dreadful free kick. I, I don't care how much everyone at Sky wants to pretend it's a great goal because Trippy scored a free kick at the World Cup three and a half years ago. <laughs> it's not. Like, Trippy has hit the ball kind of hard into the geometric centre of the goal, four foot from the ground, four yards from the post. And Emmy Martinez is acting like it's postage stamp stuff from Trippier right into the top corner. I know it takes a deflection to take it away from him, but like it shouldn't be able to be taken away from him because he shouldn't be so fucking flat-footed and he shouldn't be diving to a shot that has gone straight down the middle, straight down the middle of the goals. Let me just interject there because Jason sent us an email on the Villa podcast at gmail.com and it's amazing that you've already picked up on this. He said, hi lads, long-time listener of the show. Uh, love your work. First time emailing in, but I need to vent after that atrocious performance. We deserve nothing from that game, but can we please discuss why the fuck Martinez is diving for that free kick? The it's ball is <laughs> hit straight down the middle of the goal. All he has to do is step across. Yeah, stick, take one step to the side and that ball wins him. It hits him in the fucking sternum. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like, and we've, we've had a few signs the last few weeks that Martinez isn't, isn't his flawless self. I mean, I don't think he's playing bad, but... Dan James, Konza had to be called out for Dan James's goal last week, but it's still Dan James, so there's fucking no power in the shot. I don't think Martinez gets down quick enough to that shot last week or on Wednesday night. And again tonight, that was pathetic. He's diving under the ball. Like it's in the middle of the net. And initially I thought maybe Martinez has gone so far to the other side to convince Trippier to put it in the corner. Well, if they did that, that was a bad idea because he had no ability to get across the nets. You see the camera angle from behind? And he's standing about a yard to the left. It's yeah. unbelievable stuff. Mika Richards called it really well as well at halftime. Matty Cash's position in the wall. Like, that would be useful to stop a left footer. But seeing his trippy standing over it and John Joe Shelby is hanging around at the edge of the box, Matty Cash's position in the wall isn't useful. It's fucking useless. Unless, unless we're worried John Joe Shelby is JJ Akacha. I don't know how our wall has been set up like that. And if we are worried that Shelby is JJ Akacha, then I don't know how Martinez, Cash and McPhee are employed by a professional football club. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't actually uh, notice that until it was pointed out. So it was it was a good pickup. And even, even as the wall was being set up, like you were wondering, why is Martinez so far over? Like, you know, it's, it's obvious that this is where they're going to try and hit it. Try to hit it down the middle and the score down the middle anyway. But um, everything just seemed wrong with that whole setup. And like... It's it's no more than we deserve, like you know, no less than we deserve. Like, like almost happy it went in because like you deserve what you get, or you get what you deserve in this bloody game. And Villa thought they got back level. Um, Ollie Watkins put the ball in. Lovely touch from Coutinho to Dina. Gets cut back. It's a nice cut back from Dina. Um, Coutinho hits it. It's deflected. Um, then we're back to VAR, thinking 
he's being challenged to find the offside. So <laughs> to take their time to to make sure that they do find it. Per Gary Neville, like he's he's committed to to say that it's onside because of the whole Cavani v West Ham and for Rashford's goal that time and, <laughs> and Neville went all in to say that it was onside as well. So he had no choice but to but to say that this was onside, but you know, disappointing that it was rolled out. And you know, it was around the sixtieth minute, so Villa would have had a bit of time. Don't think they would have used it. And the bottom line is I don't think they deserved it. Yeah, and, and it's a lovely bit of football for the goal. Coutinho was starting to take control of the game for the preceding five minutes, and that was the entirety of his control of the game as well. Yeah. But Watkins' little skip as the initial shot is being taken, just like, he's, it seems like he's desperate to get as much of his body in behind the offside line. I mean, if we can teach players how to dive, how to cheat, how to use their body to manufacture fouls, surely we can teach them to keep themselves onside. Why is he throwing his boot out there? It's so fucking pointless. The ball's at the other side in the six-yard box. It's like he got too excited that a shot was happening and he decides to jump into the air and click his heels. What the fuck are you doing? Get ready for the rebound. Yeah, the ball's been cut back. Like, you know, and it is, it's, it's galling in the sense that, like, because he's thrown his leg out, his toe is pointing forward and uh, was Cher's leg going back. Um because his legs going back, his toes pointing down. Like that that was a nice like essentially what caused the difference. Watkins' toe was facing forward and his toe was pointing down. So uh that was the, the difference in the end. But like I say, didn't deserve a point, wouldn't have wanted a point, and it's it's one point now from games against Leeds and, and Newcastle. Like let's stop looking at fixture lists coming up. Like it's pointless. <laughs> Absolutely fed up. Like the village Twitter account can't like they always do it when there's a favourable run of games coming up as well. Like, you know, here's our next five matches and everyone starts talking about like, you know, easy fifteen points or whatever. But um there's one point out of six now, five points dropped. This is Aston Villa. Like let's let's stop looking at games that we should win because we don't fucking win them and like the consistency that Steven Gerrard was asking for when we were losing to Liverpool and Man City. <laughs> we're 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 a long way from that now. One game in seven. I don't know if I mentioned that already. Everyone knows it, and yeah, it's not good enough. But like, why have we gone through this form, this transformation? Like, why have we bothered to uproot everything that's been happening for the last few years for us to end up rolling the ball back to Tyrone Mings to hoof the ball up the fucking field? Like, what a fucking transformation that is! It's you're saying he's looking for consistency. Well, he's fucking got it. We're perfectly consistent with the last two and a half years of playing absolutely turgid football. Yeah. What is the point of supporting Aston Villa? It's not enjoyable. We don't win anything. So you don't even get the trade-off there. Every momentary bit of excitement is just followed by disgusting, devastating disappointment. Coming home, starving, opening the door, hearing the butter sizzle on the frying pan. Partner turns around holding a fucking 30-point trout, smile on their face, kiss the chef apron on, and then they just slap you across the face with the fucking wet fish over and over again every fucking week of the season. <laughs> and the smell of butter still entices you every week. <laughs> That's the same. Like you know, you see the you see the team sheet, and you think, "Yep, there it is. That's that's the one." And it never pans out. Like maybe we should just stop looking at team sheets as well. Maybe we should just stop supporting Aston Villa. Oh, Leon Bailey's back! What a fucking disaster that was. I'm sure we'll get to it. Fuck me! <laughs> Imagine being excited that Leon Bailey was back on your bench. Christ <laughs> Almighty! <laughs> Let's do WhatsApp winges. George on Twitter has asked us to introduce a new fine system. One week's wages for every overhit set piece. Now, this is <laughs> like Douglas Louise is a special case here because I, I like that uh, concept. Every overhit set piece is so frustrating. Yes, that's fine. Players are week's wages. I'm well up for that. But when Douglas Louise overhits his free kicks, they still go out to play for a goal kick as well. So <laughs> even when he's trying to cross it with an in swinger, it still goes out of like, how, how can you be on the right hand side? trying to hit the ball from right to left, and it goes out for a goal kick. And this is why players are getting fined left, right, and center. And this is why <laughs> Douglas Louise, yet again, is getting fined. Now, if we're going to introduce George's new theory, then he's getting fined two weeks' wages because he had two overhit free kicks. Uh, two that I can remember. Like, his free kicks were a disaster. Just on that, all, all, the Villa podcast on Twitter, Tom also got in touch to say, because we had this last week, what, what does Douglas Louise say to the other players to persuade him? To, to let them, let him hit free kicks? What, what is happening? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, this could be transformational for St. Vincent de Paul or whoever else we're donating the money to because there's going to be a lot of fucking money gathered from this. <laughs> and we had this last week as well. It's like, it's like Austin McPhee finds Douglas Louise so annoying that he's not inviting him to the set-piece training sessions. And don't get me wrong, I have a lot of sympathy with that. But if you're not inviting him, don't <laughs> let him hit the set-pieces. <laughs> Philip Coutinho, Luca Dina, John McGinnis. Why is Douglas Louise taking our set-pieces? Douglas Louise couldn't pick out a cross in a chapel. <laughs> yeah, like that's interesting what you were saying, that he isn't going to those sessions. I was thinking he's the sort of boy that when somebody's got... You know when you have a penalty set up or you're about to take a free kick? He's the sort of boy that runs in in training and hits it before you can hit it. Even though you set it up and you're like, he just ruins your fun. He hits every ball, but like nobody else gets to hit it. They've they've set it all up. Maybe this is the only reason he's getting to hit them because he's the only one hitting them in training. That's all I can think of. <laughs> well, it definitely can't be his delivery. Like, again, we were slagging off Man United last week for you know not looking at the tapes of Harry Maguire. Are we not actually analysing Douglas Louise's performance from set pieces? after games. I mean, it's it's all well and good having a laugh about it and it's really frustrating and fucking anger-inducing for the fans. But what are the fucking analysts actually doing here? Like, he's just floating the ball out of play consistently. How can he be allowed to be taking them repeatedly? I have no idea. Um, I, I, that probably counts as the first WhatsApp winch. Yeah, the second WhatsApp winch sort of sums up what I feel like our approaches to games now. I wrote down... I really hope we don't score before halftime. <laughs> because I, th- I thought if we if we got in all square, we would just bring the same approach again. Like, you know, just... just I don't, I, keeping it tight is too kind, but like that, that seems to be what we were going for. Like, you know, let's just not uh, concede. Like, that, like, we seem to have such a negative uh, approach to, to away games, especially, like, you know, without much thought, without much design of how to get forward. And... I couldn't bear coming out for a second half that we weren't chasing. No, it didn't pan out that it was any better that way anyway. But <laughs> this, this is the reality. I'm hoping that we don't score so we can get a bloody rocket up our arses. Yeah, and the first thing Gerard identified that he had to do, that he had to change, was to tighten us up. And he's become obsessed with this. He's obsessed with the idea of trying to keep clean sheets. He's obsessed with the idea, what was it he said, trying to fucking tighten the lines compress the space between each of the players well that has gone to fucking shit there there couldn't be more space between the players it's unbelievable and the fact that we keep trying to keep trying to cling on to games is pathetic the fact that we couldn't turn the game around against newcastle is much worse next whatsapp winch you've sort of touched on this already i wish fucking target was playing (laughs) honestly who designed this deal who designed this deal and didn't put in a stipulation that Matt Target has to play in that Villa game (laughs) and they got through two left backs as well in that game (laughs) but it didn't matter how many fucking left backs or who was playing there because all that was going to happen was Matt Cash was going to drill the ball off their fucking ankles it was (laughs) unbelievable like that young flan needs a fucking word of himself he must have been wearing Velcro boots today. The amount of time the ball got stuck under his feet. Yeah. I mean, he was so pleased whenever he did get the ball out. He decided to try to jam it under a Newcastle player's feet. How many times did he drill it against a Newcastle <laughs> player's ankles? And if it wasn't that, he was drilling it into the stand, getting it stuck under there. The ball just wasn't moving. That was Matt Cash's objective for today. <laughs> I do um, have him going down the vitamin meter for that fetish that he has for getting the ball caught under his feet. I... I I don't know, again, I don't want to be too kind here. Is he too fast for his own good? Like, he seems to run over the ball all the time. Like, just stop going 100 miles an hour until you get control of the ball. Only try to sprint with the ball when you have control of the ball. Like, that that's simple advice that I can give him. Yeah, but like to be fair to Matty Cash, it wasn't just his fault whenever that was happening. Like I said at the top of the show, how many passes were we playing behind players? It was unbelievable. It was so hard to watch. And it was always to their trailing foot so they had to just kind of stop and go back again give it to Mings let him float it forward and then we could start this fucking nonsense again but the amount of times where we had a chance to break in behind and it was so often Matty Cash and the ball was just played behind him and the chance is gone yeah is there anything worse than conceding an unnecessary corner and then the goalkeeper gives you a high five (laughs) you see that John McGinn one 
uh, all the time in the world. Like he was under no pressure, hits it out for a corner. Like when you were trying to chase the bloody match, and Martinez comes out and high fives him. It's like, will you bloody talk to each other? Like tell him he's got time. Tell him to take the ball down. Tell him to have a look. Like you're telling me to take the risk anyway because we're playing terribly. This is a shambles. He does have a look. He looks around and sees Willock fucking 10 metres off him and decides <laughs> to play it out for a corner. It's unbelievable stuff. Like he had so much time there. There's nothing on the ball either. It's it's a floated cross. It's a decent cross. But any sort of a touch there. And he, he's got loads of times to turn back around. And he's also, he's got what he wants as well. He's got his back to a player. So John McGinn can now have this situation where someone runs up his arse, which is we all know what he fucking wants. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. And I am not excusing Villa's performance by any means, and this is no justification for it. Craig Pawson is the worst referee in the Premier League, and that is really saying something. He's he's too caught up, like he's too uh, emotional, like he's he's too um he's too easily got at by the home fans, like he gets he gets swayed far too easily. Like he's the sort of boy. Remember that test they did on referees back in the day, a study. Um, they they showed him decisions without crowd noise, and then they showed him decisions with crowd noise, and there was a significant difference in how the referees were calling it when there was a when there was a crowd noise. Like this guy is just caught up in the momentum and in the story and like he gave John McGinn a yellow card for a perfectly good tackle but he only gave it because Jolington was fouled a few seconds earlier in the corner and he could hear St James's Park going crazy the next tackle was John McGinn McGinn wins the ball off St Maximum and Craig Pawson whips out a yellow card seemed to be giving yellow cards all over the shop to everybody except people who were actually on yellow cards like you know, <laughs> Jolington could have been sent off um Burn could have been said, like, but he wasn't interested in anybody who had a yellow card. Like, you were now safe because he, he he's a bit of a coward. Like, he doesn't want to get involved in any of this stuff. Like, he just wants to keep the home crowd happy, largely, but he wants to go along with whatever way the momentum has taken him as well. And um, we got one more tweet from Danny who said, can we have that crazy Australian referee back? <laughs> yeah, like, Pawson wasn't good and he gave a lot of soft frees and a lot of soft yellows, but... My only real complaint would be that he they hasn't sent any of those useless bastards off to roll them out the next game. Like, <laughs> like soon to be bottom of the table, Watford has defeat written all over it. Oh yeah, and I don't think this game would have been any less irritating if Pawson had have let it flow. All that would have done was given our useless cunts more time on the ball, and that would have made it even more infuriating. Unbelievably, yeah, yeah. I don't like. I don't like the cut of his jib. <laughs> Last WhatsApp one. Whose bright idea was it to send our best striker out and loan? Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like, you know, this this could be tongue in cheek any other week, but I'm starting to wonder now. Like Cameron Archer is ripping it up for pressing. They absolutely love him down there. The last three games, he scored two in two one nil wins, and in the nil nil game, he got man of the match. Like this this boy, we we already know what a talent is, and. We have these two up front doing absolutely nothing. Like, surely Cameron Archer could have a look in here. Yeah, like you had Watkins nominated for the the Ashley Westwood. Oh, he was playing award last week, and rightly so. He was. What didn't really contribute to the game. He wasn't supposed to be in the game a lot, I assume. But he was also. He didn't try to get himself involved tonight. He was shite. Danny Ings's only contribution was to play a through ball to the Bratka. <laughs> like, what a waste of fucking time that was. And Cameron Archer's just sitting there begging to, for a chance to come on. And he's not getting it. He's out alone, ripping it up, showing Stephen Gerrard what he's fucking missing. <laughs> that Danny Ings ball was... That, that was one of those moments where I just thought, what has happened to you, man? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if you wanted to do a video analysis with him this week, just play that for him and ask that question. Like, what, what is that? Like, this is, this is not the player we signed. Like, what are you doing? Get the ball out of your feet and take a shot. Like, that's what Danny Ings is supposed to do. Not try to play a blind pass that nobody can see. Like, it's, it, it's the very definition of a blind pass because no Villa players know about it, no Newcastle player knows about it, and it just goes out of play. Yeah, and, like, and I was a little... Whenever I saw it, I obviously groaned and moaned, and then whenever I saw it back, I was like, jeez, it's worse than I thought. Like, not only is Chuck Wemmicka not going, he's going in the opposite direction. Yeah. Chuck Wemmicka's running towards the fucking D, and you're playing it down the angle. What the fuck was that? It was pathetic. And he had a lot of time there as well, because Newcastle were at sixes and sevens. Unbelievable. 
<laughs> I feel like Newcastle were trying to get themselves in the sixes and sevens, and Villa <laughs> wouldn't push them there. Like Villa wouldn't take them to that level. Like they were begging to be brought into panic mode. And uh, the the final thing on Ings was that ball that dropped. I think Burn lost a flight of it, and then it hits off Ings's head, goes out of play. And like you know, I don't like when players are laughing when you're one 0 down. Um, like mm. and. and I also don't think it was funny anyway because like that is this not again what you're supposed to be doing? Like latch on to those mistakes, be that poacher. Dan Byrne loses the flight of the ball, you get control of it and score. Yeah, I, I think it was tricky because he was right behind him. But the, the way to get out of that situation isn't to do a fucking impersonation of a turtle. Like Christ Almighty, get your why are you sucking your head in there? Get like watch the ball's flight, head it. He could, easily could have headed it, would have caught the goalkeeper out, but he can also take a touch. Like he has to be reacting to that. There's no point in challenging Burn. There's no point in being close to him. So wait for him to cock up, and then punish him. That's what you are, Danny Ings. Yeah, that's what he was. Yeah. <laughs> Some awards to hand out after this. All these right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Grealish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. We, we've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Did these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. <laughs> time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. Let's get straight into the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Um, probably, the, <laughs> probably the most apt nomination is the Aston Villa performance. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll try to break it down a little bit. Like, I thought uh, this was just um, symptomatic of everything that was happening. So the very start of the game, Luca Dina starts jockeying Ramsey. He basically fouls his own player. The ball goes out of play. And then in the second half, Buendia trips over Coutinho as they're trying to defend at the edge of their own box. It's just a shambles all over. And it leads up, like the first one leads up to that free kick. I don't know if this was a routine or not. Douglas Louise and John McGinn both run and they hit the ball and none of them hit it. And, and then they both move back. And I think Sky were sort of maybe giving them the benefit of the doubt to suggest that like, oh... Maybe maybe they did plan that, but then the, the plan was Douglas Louise hitting the ball out of play. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. It couldn't have been the plan because John Mc... fucking Douglas Louise wasn't at the training sessions. The plan there was for John McGee to hit it, and exactly what you said, Douglas Louise decides to run in and hit it anyway and run away going, nah, 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 nah. He's a fucking plonker, and he's shit at taking set pieces, and this has to stop. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> um, the next nomination John McGinn a free kick in the second half just inside his own half and he just passes it 10 metres forward to a Newcastle player you know like th- th- this this might seem innocuous but again when you're chasing a match and it was so unnecessary it was it was like you've pushed the wrong button on your control pad just, just rolled it forward to a black and white jersey nobody within him don't know what he was trying to do just Pass the ball away. Yeah, I mean, John McGinn could have been nominated for the Ashley Westwood. Oh, he was playing award on Wednesday, but tonight he was he was hell bent on being noticed. I mean, he was leaving that stadium until everybody he wasn't leaving that stadium until everybody <laughs> knew his name. I mean, that was just and it was, his name was going to be known in fucking infamy because his performance was dreadful tonight. It was so sloppy on the ball and so bad in defence. It was one of John McGinn's worst performances, and he has had some patchy performances for Aston Villa yeah the winner has to be Emmy Martin is I'm not even including the trip year thing maybe I should but just because we already talked about that but uh, this one was worse anyway the big long ball coming in over the top Ings is going up for a header Martin is decides to go up for a header as well thankfully Mings beats him to the header and thankfully it goes out of play and not into our net which it would have if it was more on target 
Yeah, but like it's terrible judgment for Martinez. He should never be coming for that. But I think he makes up for it by having the humility to take the blame. And Tyrone Mings is coming out and everyone's like, well, he didn't know Martinez was going to be there. So why the fuck is he heading it? Where is he heading that ball to if he doesn't know where Martinez is? Have a fucking look. He's facing Martinez. Has he got his fucking eyes closed when he's sprinting back? It's unbelievable. You're heading the ball over the top of your goalkeeper. If that's what you're doing, don't fucking head it. Because he wasn't heading that out of play. He was heading it back in the general direction for Martinez to catch it. But he, he just fucking heads it there with nobody there to catch it. I think, in fairness him, he's the one under pressure. He's chasing that ball back. He's got a man behind him. And he's just expecting his keeper. Yeah, maybe he should look. But I think he's just heading expecting? it back. Are you being serious? <laughs> expecting him to be there? Your centre half was expecting somebody to be there. Have a look at your goalkeeper. He mightn't be there. And if he's not, it's a fucking OG. Just head the ball direction of your own net and hope that somebody's there what do you mean expecting as if that gets him out come on to be fair to him now he's expecting his goalkeeper to be he's not there <laughs> yeah but like you shouldn't have to expect that he's going to come up for a header with him as well i don't know yeah like i, I like to assume that martinez might have given him a shout too because initially i was looking to blame mings but after watching it back it's like what mings is obviously going to win it why are you freaking out like you're doing Oh, don't get me wrong, both of them have put in horrendous cock-ups here. What I have a problem with is everyone ignoring Tyrone Mingses just because Martinez has made the first one. Whenever your teammate makes a mistake, you don't compound it by making another mistake, a potentially bigger one. I mean, Martinez has come out and made a mistake, but the ball is still Tyrone Mingses. Like, he can do whatever he wants, and he should just be putting his neck muscles through that, put, making sure it goes out for a goal kick. He should be able to see that there's no keeper there, instead of generally floating it back to him. And then turning around and saying to Martinez, what the fuck are you doing, you idiot? I saw you coming off your line there. <laughs> okay, joint winners, Tyrone Mings and Emmy Martinez. Uh, very, very quick Rossethal Award. Very, like, I think I've got two nominations here. Don't even know if either of them deserves to be there. John McGinn deflected shot that went down for a corner. Uh- <laughs> was from the short corner routine and then the only other one only other one is uh, Mings' header from the Dinya corner which I didn't enjoy anyway because I've never seen as much fuss to take a corner for that to eventually come off it yeah unbelievable like, waited four and a half hours for the the last <laughs> fucking worst corner ever it's too deep and throw Mings heads it too wide like it's fucking a waste of time we waited must have been 90 seconds for that to happen um, there's only other potential threat of the ball going into the net was uh, Big Emmy Buendia getting up uh, the other side of the box, the ball across from the left-hand side. He just out jumps the centre half, gets his head on it, and uh, just it loops over to the far. It wasn't even close to going in, but just made me think, why aren't we using his head a bit more? Why aren't we putting the ball on top of Buendia like we did so effectively at the start? And I think Buendia's reaction to that shows you just how bad Aston Villa were. He, you know, he's standing there with his hands in his head then afterwards as if him looping a header from 15 yards out into the far top corner yeah. was a big chance. For it. Like, he, like He was upset with himself for missing that. I mean, Christ almighty, yeah. how bad were we if Buendia thinks that's a chance? Spot on, because that's the sort of thing I used to hate about Tony Pulis. They would get a free kick just inside uh, the opposition half. <laughs> the ball, ball would get crossed deep. It would get headed across. It would get headed over. And he would go fucking crazy on the touchline because he knew that was the chance. He told them they would get a chance. And that was the chance. Like I always thought that was so sad of Tony Pulis. And yeah, that's what Villa has become, obviously. Yeah, and Tony Pulis playing those long balls was something I used to laugh at. Now Aston Villa spends 60% of the game with the ball at Tyrone Mings' feet as he scans the pitch further up and then picks out a defender. Yeah. No winner for the Rosenthal Award because, like, let's be honest, uh, John McGinn having a deflected shot from 25 yards out is nominated. <laughs> <laughs> you like them, we didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. Why why you bother playing Coutinho and Buendia if you're not interested in playing football? Like You're talking about Gerrard being so keen to keep a clean sheet and keep tight. Like Fair enough, if you want to do that, let's do it. But like, what, what, what is this? Like, what, what iteration of trying to keep a clean sheet is this? Like, let's, let's play two creative South Americans who are really good on the ball and want the ball in tight areas and want their midfield to play with them. 
uh, and, and let's let's have them all lined up at the edge of her box. Like what? What was the point of that? As like I said, the tactic seemed to be let's head it up to Ollie and see what happens. Like what was the point of playing two number tens? We didn't bamboozle anybody. <laughs> we bamboozled ourselves. But again, we've given out about this, and I can't believe I'm going to defend this system. Well, not defend it. Give him a give him a little hint. If you're going to do this, there can't be eighty yards of space between the guy hitting the ball and centre forward, and then nobody and everyone else just. 40 yards in between those two players. Like, that—that that is fucking stupidity of the highest order. Because, like you said, if Ollie Watkins controls the ball, what's he doing? Beating six men and then scoring? We know he's not going to do that. Not in his current form, anyway. Or in general. I mean, it's a waste of time. The, the, Toro Mings hitting the ball upfield would be fine if that was our game plan. But I don't think it is. I think we just end up in that position. Toro Mings has to get rid of it because no one else is coming in to get the ball. We don't have any pattern set up. So whenever Toro Mings gets the ball, he's fucking he's, he's sold, sold out by the rest of his teammates and he has to lump it up the pitch. Because if that was our system, Buendia and Coutinho would be around Watkins. McGinn and Ramsey would be coming flying off his shoulders. We would have some sort of system of getting the ball after it goes in the general direction of Ollie Watkins. There's also a reluctance to pass that ball, like that tight ball into a tight area to Douglas Louise. I know we do it further up the pitch, but a couple of times, especially on the left-hand side, and Dinya and Mings, and, and, and they, they actually they rather just run towards their own byline and try and hook it out for a throw-in or hook it over the shoulders than just feed that ball to Douglas Louise. I, I know it's... It's dangerous. It's tricky. He's looking for it. He's your number six. That's big part of his job. Give it to him. If he doesn't control it, we'll find somebody else who does it. And I'm so surprised because I remember Peter Crouch talking about Gerard before about the standards he has of training and and matches. Like he said, Gerard would ping you these passes, like these you know hard driven balls, and that he was going to try and get off your shoulder and stuff. And if you didn't control, he was like he was on you, like and he did like he would write you off sort of thing if you weren't going to cope with that pressure and those type of balls, you know, which is, that's fair enough, he's, he's drilling the ball to you, take a touch and give it back to him, but why why is those standards not expected of our centre midfielder as well? Like, give the ball into him, if he loses it, let's talk about it afterwards, let's find somebody else. Like, just this, this halfway house at the minute, it's not even, it's just gone to the other house, like, just hooking the ball up over the top, it's just making it so pointy. Like, why are we even playing Douglas Louise there as well? Like, that's just... Let's just play Callum Chambers there. Let's let's just, let's just play <laughs> a centre half. Like, is it, like anybody else, like somebody who'll break things up. Because the minute you've got a ball playing Brazilian number six, and we're not playing with him. Yeah, well, like, would you play the ball into Douglas Louise whenever there's any sort of pressure? Like, Absolutely I, I not. No. <laughs> and I'm not sure I would either. But it's that's and that's the wrong thing to do. We should obviously be playing it into him as well. I mean, I remember we were playing a game of football before and we were on opposite sides and I saw you desperately trying to keep the ball for about what felt like 60 seconds, just trying to get this dog off you and you eventually rolled it to your teammate who then just booted the ball up the field. And and the ball came to me and as I was controlling it, I nearly miscontrolled it because I was pissing myself laughing at your crowds of, well, I could have done that. And that's... <laughs> And that's the that's the way it is with Aston Villa. It's like we desperately keep possession for a couple of minutes, get it to throw Mings, and then he just kicks it away anyway. I said, like, what was the fucking point of that? And the point of that is Douglas Louise isn't I don't think he's given himself enough of an angle to take it. I don't think the players trust him. John McGinn has reverted to all his worst habits in that game anyway. I mean he's like a fucking dog with worms, just dragging his arse across any surface, the opposition's thighs, crotch, stomach anything to relieve the itch he's fucking pathetic and he was under so much pressure today because he was so desperate to do it that i'm not sure if i would have drilled the ball into his feet either because that would have been jolenton coming running back to on top of you yeah uh, it's, it's bad i think the winner of the you like them we didn't take a 90 minute penalty award though is <laughs> they were going to take Watkins off but then they chose not to because he headed a ball in from two yards out <laughs> You know, so they lasted another five, six minutes. They said Ings was ready to come on. And then I was like, well, can't take him off now. Watkins has shown that he can do that. It's like, of course he can do that. We're going to do it when he's offside. <laughs> he doesn't miss from there, Conan. I mean, like, yeah, my problem, like, Bundia and Watkins were pointless. So I have no real problem with them getting hooked. But if we were 1-0 down against Newcastle United, I don't particularly want to see us making like-for-like changes yeah. in terms of position and anyway. Subs in the 70th minute. 
I mean, there's 20 minutes to go here. We have to try to score two goals. Scoring one isn't enough here, by the way. We're playing fucking Newcastle. And then the subs that we brought on, like Bailey was playing like the reincarnation of Albert Adoma. Ings, we've done, we've done him and his agent in Southampton have done us as well. <laughs> Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboos at the award, only one nomination, obviously, and that was taking John McGinn off. I was just, I, I just thought he was so bad and he hasn't been good over the last couple of games. I just, I, I wanted him to be brought off, just wanted that statement. And um, James on Twitter said at times like this, you can't help but think we shouldn't have voted against the five subs rule. Because that was like you know he did want to just sort of make that statement, but also he just wanted a half a different team on the pitch, and I was happy that we reserved a sub to get McGinn off because like that's just not good enough the the performance level that he brought today. Yeah, like and look look who came off today. This is how bad we were, and this is how bad individuals were. John McGinn and Ollie Watkins are our two players with the most star quality, the two players that most other fans would know about, about and they were rightly hooked because they were both shite today. And then our record signing was hooked as well because he was also shit. The performance was dreadful and it's summed up by those three players being taken off. The Vimin meter going up. What? The performance against Arsenal in October. Turns out it's not the worst performance of all time. <laughs> so, so by default, it's moving up the meter and this one now takes its place at rock bottom. Jesus Christ almighty. That, that, and Arsenal were really good that night. And so the, the Villa performance tonight was definitely worse. Because Newcastle aren't really good. I don't care if Newcastle played better than they've played this season. They're not good. Jolington plays centre midfield for them. I mean, this isn't a good team that we came up against tonight. This isn't a good team that we made look like a European challenger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like... <laughs> This sounds so bad, right? I I initially had written down Douglas Louise. go up. Do you know why? Because he intercepted one ball, and then I realised he is our defensive midfielder, and I am looking to lavish praise on him for cutting out one ball. It was one time, like I think we were done in a counter attack. Maybe it was we had a set piece because Mings and Chambers weren't there, and the ball was being threaded through. Might have been to Wood anyway, but so it wouldn't have mattered. But um, <laughs> Douglas Louise caught it out, and I thought, oh, Douglas Louise. And then I had that moment that I realized like that's supposed to be what he's doing every three minutes, cutting that ball out. <laughs> you know, and then this is like funny that you mentioned Bailey. I'm laughing there every time you talk about him because first five minutes of his performance, you know, I get a, uh, you know, he, he can flirt with me, like, and I'll get attracted to him. Like, the, the first five minutes, I was like, oh, here we go. Like, this boy's bringing a bit of something. And then he, he crossed the ball out for a throw in at the other side of the pitch. <laughs> and um, and then that pass to Ramsey, like he can't even play the ball five meters, like five meters inside. Yeah, dreadful stuff. And one of the first things he did as well was skin Jolington. That's not praiseworthy. And then, but then as he goes past him, he turns around and looks like he wants to have a dance with him. Like why is <laughs> Bailey running backwards towards the byline? How is he being? How has his body ended up in this position? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just go buy him and put the ball in the box like for, for Ings to not win. Um, <laughs> like, let's, just, let's just go through all the players really and see like see what you think. Like Emmy Martinez going down, yes. Matt Cash definitely going down. Um Callum Chambers like he has to go down just because he gave away the free kick that led to the only goal of the game. Thought he was alright. Like uh, annoyingly, um, just moments after he couldn't get his feet right for Willick coming at him, he he, he kept with Saint Maximum toe for toe, like you know, like Kanza stuff. He was able to stay on his boot. It was a uh, mad to see that he couldn't just do that with Willick as well. But I, I don't know what do you think going down. Ah, yeah, Callum Chambers definitely going down. I mean, the fact that he didn't give away a penalty was completely incidental. He didn't know that that wasn't a penalty. He just fucking lunged in it. The at the edge of the box, he had no idea where his body was or where Willock was going. It was pathetic. Kicked the ball away a lot as well. Ah, he was shite. Uh, Mings maybe going up. I thought he was good defensively. I thought he was really good defensively. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, let's move on. Look at Dania going down like... <laughs> I know nobody's in the box, so maybe maybe it's all right that he's not crossing us. But I'm just like this guy's delivery is like one of the best in the Premier Leagues, and we're just not getting to enjoy it from open play yet. Yeah, we're not getting to enjoy it from set pieces either, though, because fucking Douglas Louise can't get away from them. <laughs> Douglas Louise going down. 
Um, Jacob Ramsey, neutral and off, really. Like, just mostly because I don't want him going down. McGinn, definitely going down. Jacob Ramsey didn't didn't do any of the things that he's good at today. I think Jacob Ramsey should be going down. He couldn't get the ball out of his feet. Like all the players, his passes weren't as snappy as they normally are. I mean, how many times have you seen Villa play badly, not play with enough energy, and then Jacob Ramsey rescues us either by, you know, playing a pass across the field that, that doesn't needlessly go to the player in between. He just wraps it out to Matty Cash instead of going via concert or via Douglas Louise. How many times have we seen Villa needing to run through a team and Jacob Ramsey picks it up and does that? He didn't do any of that today, and that's what he's in the team for. When Dean Watkins, of course, going down, I, I, the Coutinho thing, like I, I know like you, you mentioned that he dominated for five, ten minutes or but I felt like that was the only five ten minutes that we actually played in the ball and tried to play through the lines, and he seemed like he he was on it like today, like he didn't actually he gave the ball away more last week. Now he was on the ball yeah, way exactly. more on Wednesday night, but um, yeah, like he looked like he was ready to play, and he set up that first goal. Like I know we got lucky with the deflection, but the way he opened the defense up initially, like yeah, like I don't think he's going up either, but I don't think he's going down. No, I don't think he is either. He, he was, like you said, he was much more consistent than he was last week. He just didn't have enough time for that to have an impact on the game. Is it time for me to start applying the pressure that I applied to Jacob Ramsey on Chuck Wemmicka? <laughs> yeah, why not? That worked out well for you last time and <laughs> actually worked out well for Aston Villa fans. Yeah, like this guy, I know he's only 18. I know he's obviously a good player, but... um. I thought Wednesday night as well, he could have been braver on the ball. Like, you know, not braver. I just wanted him to, to try more things, to, to try and open up things a bit more. We, we don't need him coming on the number 10 position and, you know, rolling balls around the outside of the fence. We need him mm. penetrating. Like, we, we need him being risky, like when Dia and Coutinho are. Like, that, that's that's his game. That's where, that's where he's supposed to be. Like, that's I know he's young and he doesn't want to lose the ball and he wants to defer the other players. Like, fuck the other players. They're all shit. Look what they're doing. <laughs> you know, I want him to shoot a bit more as well, and he's, he's not doing that. Yeah, like we're not making an attacking sub of bringing on Chuck Wemeka for John McGinn so that Chuck Wemeka can pop back out from in yeah. between the lines to roll the ball out to Matty Cash. Like, that's not what he's brought on for. He's brought on to make a difference. He's brought on to lose the ball in search of a goal. We're 1 0 down against Newcastle. There's 15 minutes left to go. Rolling it back out to Douglas Louise isn't a good idea. <laughs> Anything else on that massive a match before we leave it behind us forever? Well, let's just leave it behind us forever. I don't think anyone else could possibly listen to this for much longer, and I certainly can't. I've already given myself a headache 40 minutes into talking about a football <laughs> match. Uh, questions we can't answer, but probably will. The, the only way to make yourself feel better, but are Man United the only team more gutless than Aston Villa at the minute? <laughs> This must be the fourth leak that's come out since Ralph Rangnick took over, and uh, it says the Man United players are becoming frustrated with Rangnick's methods, with a section of the squad believing his training sessions are old fashioned. Same squad who were fully gone to Solskjaer down at the cliff. Um, like this is <laughs> this is coming from uh, Rob Dawson and ESPN. Like, the, uh, how many more times are you want to hear this? Like, I, I just feel like these boys were loving life under Solskjaer, not not because Solskjaer was a good manager, but because they were still finishing in the top four. Up until this season, they definitely weren't going to this season. And uh, they were still a nice, like, feel-good factor around the club. They didn't have to work hard. They didn't even have to eat right, apparently. And, uh, <laughs> like, you know, this now, now a new manager's coming and asked them to do a bit of running, and it seems like they're, they're just, hey, that's not what we do here, kiddo. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing that there's so many leaks. I mean, I know... I know your pals in the media need to find stories and stories of discontent will always be clicked on. They'll be clicked on by by the disillusioned. They'll be clicked on by the dissociated. They'll, be, they'll also be clicked on by the dispassionate and disinterested and the rest of the football community just peering in with a schadenfreude and smile on their face. The, <laughs> the United fans that are sick of the hierarchy will click on it for the confirmation of their worldview to, just to hear their pent-up anger their screams into the social media void somehow <laughs> reverberating back and then the other side as well like the united fans that think they've spent over a billion quid on a nest of vipers vipers that 
vipers that have just swallowed a rabbit hole and are just lying around in the sun like a bunch of lazy bastards living <laughs> off the fat of their preposterous contracts. Like those fans will rage read these articles as well. And then the culture war will begin. And the amusing thing for us voyeurs is that both sides are right. Both sets of fans are justified. Ralph Ranick should not be the Manchester United manager, but he also shouldn't be managing such a fucking rabble. Like, when are they going to start questioning themselves as well, these fucking players that are just whinging nonstop by all accounts? Yeah. The, the board who appointed Ranick shouldn't have thought that they were being clever and assiduous and deferring the appointment of a real manager for six months. And the reality is that Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola are the only two managers in world football maybe Nagelsmann as well, that are out of United's reach. Like the cry from United fans when Spurs signed Conte of, we missed another chance, there's another top manager going somewhere else. United could still have Conte. Like yeah. The amount of times you'd hear them say, as justification for keeping Solskjaer, well, who else is available? Everybody's available. <laughs> United spent £130 million on Juan Bissaka and Harry Maguire. Go out and get a fucking manager. Headline saying United are reluctant to spend the twenty million on Pochettino to get him out of his cut. Twenty million for Pochettino? He spent that on Dan James. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like that uh, reluctance to to splash it. Even like it extends to the Declan Rice thing as well. Like you know, and people for some reason are trying to then make out that United are being shrewd in a sense. They put a value on Declan Rice, and you know it's. They'll they'll not go beyond it, like because it's, it's West Ham on twenty million extra or whatever it is. It's you're happy enough to spend all this money on all those players that you mentioned. But speaking of clicking on, um, it's like what you're saying there is sort of similar to what Tony Casquino was saying earlier on on Talk <laughs> Christ, as if I couldn't feel any worse. <laughs> he said it's not one thing; it's probably twenty or thirty things they need to change and get right. And I think that's sort of similar to you. <laughs> Yeah, 20 or 30 fucking players that could easily be changed as well because they're all lazy, useless bastards. Yeah. Uh, like You're right, it's time for some self-reflection and that's probably an apt way to start wrapping this up because everybody at Aston Villa right now needs some self-reflection. Um, we all need self-reflection for looking to fix your list and getting excited. It's not going to happen. Let's just um, bring it on the pitch from now on. And there's, there's big changes needed and I am worried about the Watford game now next week. We already got hammered by Watford once this season and I can just see them like you know bouncing into town like here's a big a big chance for us now to get our season up and running like is there danger that Villa can slip into this relegation battle like they're not safe yet they keep going the way they're going they're not going to pick up any points well well, this this is the thing this is why it's this is why I find it so frustrating this is why I find defeats to Newcastle so frustrating he's had 12 games in the Premier League now he's won five drawn two lost five points per game Villa finish 11th uh, the last season, you drop those points per game into last season's league t- league table, and Villa finish eleventh. They fucking finished eleventh anyway. After all this turmoil, after all this upheaval, I know it's only twelve games in, but we haven't gotten any fucking better, and we're just as inconsistent. We're still fucking all in or bust every single time. Yeah, ten points ahead of Norwich at the minute. Um, in twelfth place. I don't like you know, here. Like here, I am genuinely looking over the shoulder to like see. <laughs> you like to think there's enough to like you know we might not pick up any more points, but there's enough teams there that might not also pick up as many points. Too. <laughs> um, you need to get a fucking grip, Villa aren't going to get relegated. Uh, believe it when I see it. <laughs> believe it when I see it. Uh, well, thanks to the boys anyway for bringing us back to the glory days of 2015-16. Um, <laughs> It's been a while, uh, so it was good to to revisit it. Hopefully, it's behind us. Hopefully, we get a. Like, we still need a full, complete performance as well. I feel like we've been brilliant in phases under Gerard. Like you know, we come out second halves or first halves and stuff and been brilliant. But I would love just a ninety minutes of domination. Can we just dominate it? We have players now to dominate teams. We have McGinn and Ramsey in midfield. We have Coutinho and Buendia. Let's just like they're all playing in centre midfield. Can we not just hold the ball and dominate them, please? That that is that is probably the most frustrating thing. The Villa don't have any control of games. You talked about it last week. Are they going all in and trying to score too often? Too many long balls, too many straight balls through the middle that are pointless because the players just popping it back out. Then it's lumped back over the top. 
It's all too hectic. The balls aren't being played at the right time. We're not killing teams at the right time. We're not creating the opportunity to kill the teams. Let's just fucking keep the ball and do that. We're playing Newcastle today, for fuck's sake. I know it keeps saying it, and I know Newcastle are rejuvenated, but they still have John Joe Selvey and Jolington in centre midfield. How could we not have a bit of control over that game? How could we not get through? Yeah. Well, we'll leave it at that. I hope um, you've enjoyed. <laughs> you've enjoyed your weekend and uh, best of luck for the start of the week. And best of luck to Aston Villa as they undergo another transformation, which is very badly needed. We'll chat to you on Saturday. Another winnable game coming up. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. All the best. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.